For the past few weeks, uh, Pastor Chris has been leading us through a series on the image of God, what it means to be human and made in God's image. And this morning, we are going to take a look at uh, what it means to be a great ruler and how that fits into the image of God. Let's uh, read our text here from Matthew 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left hand are not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called to them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us this text. We ask that this morning you will give us your Holy Spirit so that this text can speak to our hearts and that we can learn what it means to be rulers in your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Cincinnatus was a Roman statesman about 450 years before the time of Christ. And while he was alive, the Roman army got itself into a pickle they actually became encircled by another army and laid siege to. This was quite a crisis in Rome, and they did something uh, rather extreme to deal with it. They named a dictator. A dictator was a position in Roman uh, law that had practically unlimited power. It was a term to deal with an emergency. It was a military authoritarian leader. So Cincinnatus was plowing his field, and a messenger came from Rome and told him, you are a dictator. You have practically unlimited authority in Rome. We need you to come rescue us. So Cincinnatus came to Rome, and he raised an army, and he marched out to rescue the encircled Roman army. And he encircled the encircling army, sandwiching the enemy between two Roman armies so they could be easily defeated. And then he marched back to Rome in a victory parade and handed authority back over. He was the dictator of Rome for 15 days. Now this is a, an important position, right? This is the, the position that 
Julius Caesar would later use to seize permanent authority and, and cause the fall of the Roman Republic. But Cincinnatus gave it all up. This story has resonated with people for 2,500 years now. George Washington was, uh, when he gave over authority, gave authority back to the Union, he declined to be crowned king and retired after two terms as president. He was hailed as a modern Cincinnatus. Right? The, the city of Cincinnati is named after this general, this Roman general. Why does that resonate with us? Why is this story sticking around for 2,500 years? I think, based on our text this morning, that the reason is that Cincinnatus comes a little bit closer to the the picture of what it means to be truly human. And, And even the pagans just see that a little more clearly. So this morning, we're going to look at three things. What are the disciples thinking when they come to Jesus? What is their understanding of what it means to be a ruler? Second, we're going to look at how does Jesus rule? What what does Jesus think it means to be a ruler? And third, we're going to look at how do we become truly human rulers? How do we become great rulers? So, part one, what's in the disciples' minds when they make this request? And to understand the background here, we have to go back to the Garden of Eden, as with so many things. Genesis 1, 26 through 30. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's intention in creating humanity was that they would be rulers. Humans were designed to rule. That's part of the image of God that is in us. And it's a delegated authority, right? This is not ruling as equals of God. It is ruling as God's designees, right? We see a parallel here in Genesis 41. After Joseph has blessed the kingdom of Egypt by interpreting Pharaoh's dreams and saving them from the famine, Pharaoh says to Joseph, You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Right? This is is the kind of picture that we have, where God sets humans over creation as his designees to rule faithfully. The second thing we see is that the ruler is responsible for the flourishing of the subjects. We ended our reading, but it really goes on to verse 29 and 30, and we skip these verses very frequently. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant, yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, 
and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. The point of this text is not that kale is for animals, though that is what the text says. (laughs) The point of this text is that God has a design for creation. He has a plan for the flourishing of humans and for the flourishing of all of the animals. And humans are given the instructions for that plan, right? This is when you have a babysitter, right? And the babysitter comes over and you have a little sheet laid out with all the instructions, right? This is when when the baby gets fed. This is what they eat. This is when they go to bed. All that stuff, it's on the sheet. This This is what God is doing. God is giving humans authority over the animals, but also a plan for their flourishing, right? There, there are two cultures, two cultural views of creation that we encounter in the world. One is that humans are given creation as their property, right? That they are, creation is for humans. And that's, that's not what the text says. The text says humans are to rule over creation, but they're to do so in a way that causes the flourishing of all creation. It's not It's not theirs to just take and and seize. The other view is that creation is better off without humans, right? That we should just let humans do, or let creation do whatever it wants and get out of its way. And that's also not what the text says, right? The text in Genesis 1 says humans are supposed to rule. We are supposed to take care of creation, We see this theme continued in Deuteronomy 17. God gives Israel um, his instructions for how a king is supposed to rule, right? What it means for an Israelite king to be under God. And it says, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests, and it shall be with him, and he shall read in it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. God's plan for a king and God's plan for humanity is, is the same. It's that they be obedient to God and that they not be lifted up over over each other, right? God's plan for the king is not that he be um, a tyrant. It's that he create the flourishing of his people. We see this in Psalms like Psalm 72, right? The king is there to promote justice and righteousness and flourishing for everyone. So that's the plan. How did we get to where we are? How did we get to where the disciples were? Well, Adam and Eve saw the opportunity to seize power, right? To be more like God. And they did it. They took it. That's the position that we have taken ever since. Seizing for more. Trying to become greater. 
the, uh, the quote on page two of your worship folders, uh, Christopher West's quote. Chris found that, and I was just, I don't even know why I need to preach a sermon. It's all right there. That's such a great picture, right? God is descending. God is constantly coming closer to us. And we are constantly trying to seize what he has. We are not acting in the image of God. And today, I mean, this is what we expect to see. Dictators grow their bank accounts while their citizens live in poverty. Rich business owners build up their bank accounts while their employees struggle to get by. And it doesn't, it shouldn't surprise us. This is exactly what Jesus tells us will happen. He says in verse 25, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones tyrannize the lessers, right? That's, that's what Jesus expects in a world that doesn't know God. And that's the mindset of the disciples as well, right? It's not just James and John. The others are just upset that James and John asked first, right? They were angling for the same position. Peter's thinking, it would be pretty good if I were in charge. Andrew's thinking, yeah, I could have done that. They're hoping for the chance to lord over their brothers. And, and what Jesus says is that's not the way things work in my kingdom, right? That's not how my kingdom operates. My kingdom operates on a different level from the kingdoms of this world. And that's something the disciples just don't grasp, right? We see that in John 18. Jesus is before Pilate, right? And Pilate says, are you a king? Jesus says, I am, but my kingdom is not like the other kingdoms of this world. And he says, if it were like the other kingdoms, my disciples would have fought, to prevent me from being turned over. And the irony there needs to be palpable for us because a few verses earlier, who had pulled out his sword to defend Jesus? Peter, right? The disciples don't understand how different Jesus' kingdom is. They think we need to use physical force. We need to lord it over our brothers like the Gentiles do. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not how my kingdom operates. It's, it's very tempting for us, just like the disciples, to look at the world and think, this is the way the world works. This is just how it works. And we need to understand what Jesus is saying here. This is not the way the world works. This is not the way humans are supposed to be. So how does Jesus rule? Jesus remembers God's intention from Genesis 1. Jesus remembers God's intention because he was there, right? He was God. God creating. God putting the image of God in people. And we see this in our sacred reading for this morning, right? Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, or which is the mind of Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Now, 
I think it's important for us to see. We, we often get this picture of um, Jesus coming down to show us how humans are supposed to be, like putting us in our place, right? Teaching us this is how humans are supposed to be. You're supposed to be servants. And that's not what this text tells us. That's not what Jesus tells us in Matthew. Jesus becomes a servant when he was in his divine nature. The image of God is to be a servant because God is a servant, right? God serves. And so when we serve, we are not becoming more human as opposed to more divine. We are becoming more divine through becoming more human, right? We are fulfilling the image of God by being humble. What is God like? Jesus tells us in Matthew 11, I am gentle and humble in heart. Right? That is what God is like. So when we grasp for power, when we try to seize equality with God, that is the opposite of what it's like to be God because God did not count equality with God something to be grasped. He gave it up so that he could be a sacrifice. Now, I think part of James and John's confusion comes from this image of a cup, right? Jesus says, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And in the Psalms, we see two different images with this same cup. Psalm 16 says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. That's, that's the image of the cup that the disciples are seeing, right? Jesus is going to be king. Jesus is asking, can you, you know, can you do this? And the disciples are like, man, we'll suffer through, I guess. You know, managing all those servants would be a challenge, but we'll do it. And that's not the cup that Jesus has in mind, right? Jesus is thinking of Psalm 75. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth will drain it down to the dregs. That's the cup that Jesus is going to drink. And he's going to drink it so that his people will not have to drink it. That's how kings act in Christ's kingdom. So James and John, is that what you want? It turns out, no. Right? When Jesus is handed over to the Jews, James and John don't go with him. They don't die next to him. They flee. They save themselves. So how do we get to be truly human rulers? How do we become this true human that Jesus points us to? Well, there's a... Sometimes we get a little confused. When I was in first grade, we had a teacher who uh, periodically she would take the, the last student in line when we were going to recess or to lunch. She would take the last student and move them up to the front of the line, right? The last shall be first. We think that way sometimes, and that's, that's just not a really helpful way to think. You know, 
it's still the same goal. The goal is just to get to the front of the line. It's just a different means of achieving that, right? So we talk about servant leadership in business as a way to make your business successful, right? You should be a servant, and that'll help you get ahead. And the problem there is that it's still all about getting ahead. It's still all about making ourselves first. It's just a different method of doing it. And that's, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. See, the way to be a truly human ruler has to go through the cross. This is what Peter and James and John came to realize after Jesus uh, rose from the dead, right? Before his crucifixion, the disciples fell away. And then they came to understand what the cross actually meant. In Acts 12, we read about James being martyred, right? This same disciple. Jesus said, you will drink this cup. And we, we read that James does drink the cup. Peter is martyred 20 years later in Rome. And John lives a life of suffering and persecution for Christ. And then in Revelation 12, this same John, well, there are different schools of thought on whether the Revelation John is the same as the disciple John. I, I think they are. But in, in Revelation 12, John writes, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Right? John says that the way that the saints triumph, the way that they defeat Satan, is through the blood of the Lamb. Not the strength of the lion, the blood of the Lamb. They loved not their lives even unto death. So, all of us here are rulers. You may not believe that, but, but it's true. All of us have been given something to rule over by God. Maybe you're a business owner. Maybe you're an employee. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're a spouse or a parent. Maybe you're a voter. All of these are things that God has entrusted you with, right? This is the parable of the talents. Not, God does not give everyone the same responsibilities, but he gives everyone some responsibilities and asks us to be faithful with them. So, do your customers and employees flourish because of your rule? Do your coworkers, classmates and teachers, even the unpopular classmates, does your household flourish because of your rule? The, uh, I, I was reading the other day a, uh, a feminist argument. She was claiming that women for too long have been told that they need to use their time and their energy to serve others. And now to be equal to men, they need to be more selfish. They need to use their time and energy to serve themselves. Now, obviously her solution there goes directly against what Jesus is talking about. But I think all the men in this room, myself included, need to, uh, need to pay a little bit of attention there. The, the idea that to be equal to men means being more selfish, right? Is that the picture of rule that Christ has in this text? 
Christ tells the disciples that to sit at his right and his left hand is for those whom God has prepared it. There's only one other time in Scripture that we see that image, the right and left hand of Jesus, and that's when Jesus is crucified. Right? There's someone crucified at his right hand and his left hand. What Matthew is telling us here is that to be a glorious disciple, right, to be this truly human ruler, is to take up our cross, to take up our cross and die with our Savior. And, and brothers and sisters, to truly do this, to truly become servants, we have to understand the cup that Jesus drank. It was the cup of God's wrath, and he drank it for us so that we can serve others. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you made us to be rulers. You made us to rule over creation and, and create flourishing and godliness and righteousness and justice in all of creation. And instead, we seek to serve ourselves. We seek to glorify ourselves. Help us to understand these words of Jesus that in the kingdom of God, the rulers are those who die. That true glory, true flourishing, happens when we set, us, set ourselves aside and seek the good of others. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.